And welcome to a tale of, well, one rival. Breaking news. A tale of two rivals could not survive co-managing a charity best ball team. And we have disbanded. Things were said. Threats were made. Mike Williams was deeply disrespected. I'm Todd Foster, your lone survivor. And Dave Wright will be off starting some poppycock, stat-filled, numbers, woo-ha-ha kind of podcast that will keep you right in the middle of the pack if you don't care about winning in fantasy football. So go look for that, Numbers Nerd by Dave Wright. So anyways, I'm the last last man. Hey, 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 hey. I don't, not so fast. Not so fast here, Todd. What are you trying to do to us here? We're, no, we're back. I'm FF Spaceman Dave Wright, and we're still here. We're having actually a blast with this best ball league. Um, who, who, who have we drafted so far, Todd? Uh, okay, Dave. I'm like, just, uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so upset you're actually here. Um, <laughs> um, no, no, we are having a good time. No, the best ball we is going really well. Um, we had, we were picking out of the four spot. We took Nuke. Uh, Hopkins was our first pick. And then immediately, uh, Zeke Elliott decided that he's going to fly back. Like moments after we picked Hopkins. <laughs> well, good um, news. Good news is Jerry Jones said that he said Zeke, and now Zeke's all got his, his tail feathers in a in a right. Flustered, so. Right. So like we were, we were for a moment they were like, oh, we made the wrong pick. Then I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm a huge Hopkins fan. Like I'm a big fan of a guy who like just does not drop a football. So um, we went with Hopkins. Uh, second pick around, we decided that, you know, we avoided the drama with Zeke, so let's take uh, Antonio Brown. <laughs> so, um, great. Be- now, once that whole thing's settled and he finds a nice helmet that fits him, um, and his feet look all nice with the new skin. Um, he was I- at a team meeting today. We're fine, Todd. We're fine. This is fine. I'm not sitting in a, in a room on fire sipping my coffee. This but is the, fine. But the, but the thing about best ball, too, is you're looking for those big, big weeks, and Antonio Brown has big weeks. All the time. And a good floor, too. So Great floor. Well, minus um, not playing, but... <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. So then... Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank, Dave. Who we take third? Oh, we took Stefan Diggs. Yes, um, Diggs. Yeah, and th- well, I think that was coming back all the way around. So that was like 309, right? That's yep. We, we, yeah, we had, a, we had a tough time between Diggs and Thielen, and we ended up going with Diggs with the upside. And then... Um, in the fourth round, I think we got a steal in Brandon Cooks. Oh, I love to see some Brandon Cooks. In I was I was so excited about that one. So it's it's a it's a good format. It's one QB um, with ten flexes, so you can do whatever you want. So you don't need to take running backs. You don't need to take wide receivers. You don't need to take tight ends. So um, we're literally just taking the best players we think are going to be good for this format. I'm very upset that Kenny G just went uh, two picks ago and. Mike Williams, who would have been our next pick. Uh, yeah, well, we, well we were, we're going to save that for an argument later when it comes to uh, the ADP uh, scoreboard. But, oh, yeah, I'm glad that – I secretly said to myself, oh, I'm glad we didn't have to argue about that. But, um, yeah, so we've got two guys on the board that we feel pretty confident about. We don't want to say it because we're next. We're actually literally on the clock next. And then, uh, yeah, and I also should say, too, this is for the uh, Fantasy Shack Autism Awareness Bowl. Um, it's a charity league that um, all the funds are going straight to the Organization for Autism Research. So we're really excited about that. 
yeah. Yeah. Very, very excited about that. It's uh, been it's been a good time, and uh, a guy in our dynasty league, Sean, is actually happened to end up in our division, uh, being the rivals' rival, which I was like, oof, witty. I like it. So um, yeah. So Sean technically is my rival in our main league that we our dynasty league, and Sean's my rival, and he just was sitting there for like a month, and we had no idea. But we've got a couple of you know another guy in our league who's in a different division, so we're representing. Yep. So yep. We're pretty excited that we're yep. uh, our league could give back a little, or you know, yeah. throw some money um, that way. So I'm also yeah. thrilled to see Sean's team. It just looks awful. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, he'll be he'll be somebody we can scratch off the list of taking down. So good times. All right. So, um, oh Dave, it's, your, it's that time you love to play with numbers, man. It is that time you All love right. to play with numbers. So Dave, what's my stat? All right, hello and welcome back to the third installment of What's My Stat. It's a weekly segment that introduces a relevant fantasy football stat or metric, explains its significance, and then gives you a blueprint of how to use that stat to help you bring home that fantasy football championship. Um, This week, we're starting to heat things up a little bit as we draw closer to a metrics crescendo um, while we discuss RACER, one of the sexiest acronyms in the fantasy football metrics realm, created by, you guessed it, Josh Hermsmeyer. Now, I introduced Josh last week, but he's a must-follow at Frisco Josh on Twitter. And you can read all of his work at 538.com. And also, uh, if you really want to nerd out, go uh, check out his free website, airyards.com. So, Todd, whew, I'm already hot and bothered here. And that was... <laughs> well, I was getting a little hot and bothered there until that rudeness. But I guess we'll see where the metrics take us. So, uh, first, let's recap Air Yards from last week. Um... I think of them as basically receiving yards a player would have earned if he caught 100% of his targets and then fell immediately to the ground. So that's air yards, a.k.a. late career Des Bryant. Um, now, we love targets. Annoying. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. I think we might split up after this. <laughs> Go ahead, David. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I highly doubt that. But, yes, yeah, so um, we love targets and air yards because they relatively constant from year to year. Um, and plus they uh, are top of the line when it comes to predicting future fantasy points. And remember kids, we don't use stats predict if you don't use stats if you predict if you don't use stats to predict future fantasy points, then what are you even doing here? Stop leaving the past folks. It's time to get predictive. So uh, I personally live in the past and I win, so I'm cool with it. Well, I predict you won't win this year. so how do you like that? Go right, <laughs> cool, look at my roster and say that again. That was my best uh, Napoleon Dynamite impersonation. <laughs> I keep getting all upset. <laughs> but okay, so if all right, so if you're actually listening last week and your eyes haven't glazed over like Todd has apparently, um, <laughs> you may remember that I said we should use air yards to identify buy low players um, who are not who are getting a lot of air yards, a lot of opportunity, but they just haven't capitalized on it yet. I just want to emphasize one thing. I, I mentioned air yards in general last week. And I said it's not. It shouldn't be just air yards. It's the market share of their air yards in the offense. So like the percentage of air yards of the total offense they get, and that's been shown to be the most predictive at uh, predicting future fantasy stats. So that's one way to do it. So that's uh, basically part of the model, Josh's buy low model, that now can be found over on Adam Levitan and Evan Silva's new site, EstablishTheRun.com. Um, but there are several other ways, Todd, to use air yards. Not just like a buy low, a good dart throw type player. And the first way to use, a different way to use air yards is RACER, R-A-C-R. It's uh, uncommonly known as receiving air conversion ratio. 
Racer sounds really complicated. I know, Todd, I know you're just like deep sigh probably, but it sounds complicated, but the beauty is it's not complicated at all. Racer is just the receiving yards divided by air yards. That's it. There's no, there's no carry the twos, you know, you know, exponent to the factor of 25. This is, it's just a simple um, receiving yards divided by air yards. So we like simple stats, right, Todd? Quit wasting my time. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, well, so. <laughs> oh, like sorry. I said, we. <laughs> Duke, I found a Duke Nukem soundboard. I couldn't help myself. Oh, I'm sure you couldn't. I'm sure you couldn't. <laughs> that, you know, you are basically the Duke Nukem of this podcast. You just go around going grunting and not bringing anything besides your devilishly good looks. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the PG version of Duke Nukem <laughs> if we're talking in that terms. Um, oh, no, no, but um, I no, I looked at, I actually. I actually used air yards in, in one of my uh, in one of my players this week, oh, wow. Dave. So racer is just it's a, an effi- so what racer is is it basically talks about how efficient a player is at converting air yards to receiving yards, right? And just as a side note, whenever I mention efficiency stat, it's basically a metric that talks about a, that takes a raw stat like yards, TDs, or fantasy points and divides it by an opportunity stat. So like. Yards divided by games, yards divided by, you know, our receptions or yards divided by reception, you know, yards per, per catch, something like that. That's an efficiency metric. And efficiency stats have driven people crazy in the past, Todd. They are notoriously, they do not translate into upcoming seasons. They're great at describing past performance, but they don't carry over to the next season. Like yards per carry is terrible. Um, touchdowns are notor- like touchdowns per game. All that stuff is not very good at carrying over. But racer... Racer is actually, as far as efficiency stats goes, is a lot more stable from year to year. And so that makes me think that it's a lot better at capturing, you know, how, how the talent that player has is at converting those uh, air yards into actual recept- receiving yards. So now don't get me wrong. It can still fluctuate based on, you know, a couple bad drops in a season or not very good yak. You know, it's just, you know, a bad schedule. Um, so like I said, it can fluctuate, Todd. So it's not the, you know, it's not the skeleton key. Now, okay. I need you to take a second okay. here and prepare yourself. I, I, because, I, I'm taking a deep breath, Dave. All right. Because in, um, in a second here, things are going to get downright exciting. If you, if you haven't been thrilled yet with your Duke Nukem soundboard, this is going to just blow you away. Oh, right, I am so, very happy with my Duke Nukem soundboard. <laughs> so to solve for fluctuation in year-to-year in racer, all you have to do is use the career racer of a player. So you take their career, and that's it. It solves the problem. Then it becomes incredibly stable. And it's really good at helping you protect things. So basically, the FDA has gone and classified Career Racer as an aphrodisiac for nerds. Um, it's, it just gets us going, man. It, it's, we love that stability in a stat. And yeah, whew. All right, take a deep breath. And, uh, but it's now time to throw a wet blanket on the Racer party because Racer still isn't good as good as targets. Because we talked about targets week one. That is the golden standard. Racer's good. It's just not targets good. So how can we still go about using Racer? So we talked about why it's significant, what it is. Now let's talk about how can we use it. Um, and so I approach Racer how I approach uh, a stack of pancakes, Todd. You like pancakes, right? They're solid. They're solid. I, I mean, I'm a French toast guy, but still. They're I'll solid. take some pancakes. Yeah. So I approach a stack of pancakes. You know, some people might judge a good stack of pancakes by, you know, how tall it is or how big the pancakes are. Someone sees that big, tall stack coming out to their table and their eyes get real big and they go, ooh, and ah. Well, newsflash, you want those types of people in your fantasy league because they're idiots. That's not how to judge a uh, stack of pancakes, Todd. 
I t- uh, trusted pancake connoisseur. I, I personally think it's a perfectly legit way of looking at pancakes. Uh, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is why we're why you're a rival. You do not know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the pancake connoisseur Count knows. Count the rings, baby. Count the rings. Knows that you don't just look at the stack, Todd. You got to spread them out. You got to look at the consistency. You need to look at how much bananas is it per pancake. How many chocolate chips are there? You know, are there blue? How many blueberries? Is it just a couple blueberries in a pancake? No, I want tons and tons of that stuff in my pancakes. You can't see that when it's stacked, Todd. So this is why hashtag pancake efficiency matters. All right. So, so just that's what I have to say. That's how I approach racer, just like a stack of pancakes. And what I mean by that, leaving this metaphor, is that a dot a dot or average depth of target is a single stat. It takes all the target yards and divides them by targets and you get a dot, right? So, yep. so, and that's what a stack of pancakes is. It's an a dot. What I like to do, that what Racer likes to do is it likes to spread a dot out at, and look at every, um, look at every, how the receiver does at every depth of target. And so how do we, how do you go about doing that? Well, Josh Hermsmeyer has done it for us at airyards.com. He's has this awesome graphic um, all you have to do is go to areas.com, go to the player drop-down menu, click on receiver efficiency. It takes a few seconds to load, but then all you have to do is choose a plot on the drop-down menu and select racer by depth of target. Okay. And whatever and whatever player you want to use. And so then there's a yellow line that represents the average racer by depth for the NFL wide receiver. And then the green line is the player that you want to look at. And you just look at it along the line. It's a very simple graph. You just look at how it does compared to that yellow line. And that tells you how good they are at that depth of target. So what does this tell us, Todd? And how do we use it for your fantasy? That's ultimately, how do we use this, Dave? This is really geeky, but how do you use it? How can we win matchups? Well, there's three ways to use Racer. Um, it shows you just basically how good a player is at the depth of target. You know, if they're good from zero to nine yards, 10 to 20, your deep ball, it just, that's good to know about a wide receiver. Second, we talked about this a little bit um, in a previous episode when we were talking about Allison versus MVS um, in Green Bay. Um, your ra- the racer by a dot shows you how the players are good at their different depth targets. So I see the MVS is better down the field in Green Bay. So knowing that Aaron Rodgers is a better deep ball thrower than he is an intermediate or a, a, a short ball thrower, and he holds on the ball a lot for those deep deep plays, I'm going to target Geronimo, uh, uh, MVS so I can get that Jordy Nelson like upside. Whereas you know Randall Cobb in the Randall Cobb role goes to uh, Allison. So that's the second way. And then the third way, it just helps me with roster construction. I don't want a bunch of Deshaun Jacksons on my, you know, my redraft team, Todd, or my dynasty team. Do you, I mean, you agree with that, right? You want to have different types of receivers? Yeah. You want, you want guys with high upside and guys that are steady. Yeah. So that's what you do. You go and you look at the racer by a depth of target and you see how these players win, how they get their fantasy points, how they succeed in the NFL field. And that's how you use racer. So next week, Todd, we're going to, we're going to put a bow on this thing and we're going to talk about Whopper but that's what we got for what's my stat this week what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. I just love that clip. Dude, but I'm m- crying now, Todd. That, that, that <laughs> cut me to my core. 
I got some nerd humor in there. I was excited. Uh, and that's what I get. I mean, the pancakes analogy, man. Good lord. That was... Oh, wow. That was deep. I mean, I, here's my thing about that. I, air guards, yeah, I get it. I, I think it kind of like fills in some holes for moving guys up a spot or two. But like when we start getting into this part, like you could literally just like like watch tape, like watch the guy go downfield. You can see yards per catch, which is clearly MVS is higher than Geronimo Allison. And I'm just saying, it's just like simplifying the way that you do things. I honestly think you're it's trying to just do too much to just put everything to this vacuum you know and to me like i i kind of feel like having a gut and being able to like look at things and i don't know it's just it's just too technical for me that one i i'm not a huge fan of it but but i will also say that these are the kind of things that can give people an edge i guess you know if you buy into them i did i was a big fan of air yard it uh Air yards, which I use, but with racer, I think I need a little bit more believing next week, Dave. Well, we're gonna see how we all tie. It's gonna tie. We're gonna tie in racer and targets next week, and it's just gonna be a nice little. I'm telling you, it's gonna be a nice little, uh, little bow on this package we've been doing in what's my stat. But I understand what you're saying. But I, I'll just say those numbers don't back up what you say, and then we'll just have to go on from there. I hope someone can. They'll so a listener will gravitate one way or the other, and hopefully it gives them some uh, some good advice. Yeah, I, my whole thing about it is, is I'm like saying is that like you know, I'm I'm sure there's data that supports this argument and that, but I also feel like that data goes to be at some sort of affirmation towards your argument. You know what I mean? But whatever, that's fine. You know, that's hence why we do this, and we're both you like, different. You like inferior pancakes? That's all there is to it, dude. I eat the pancakes and move on and go get my next my, my next pick of bacon. All right, bacon's too salty. <laughs> Oh, good lord! All right, we are down. We are down a very deep hole right now. Oh, Dave, Dave, and your breakfast analogies. All right, man. So, um, all right. So we're almost twenty minutes in. So, Dave gave us some more nerd love with some numbers. So today we're doing an, an ADP scoreboard. So today we're gonna be discussing one QB, one running back, three wide receivers, and one tight end. So essentially, what Dave and I did was. We looked at the overall ADP by, by positions, and we looked at guys that were in similar realms that Dave and I felt strongly one way or the other. So Dave's guy is A, and my guy is B, and we talked about why those guys should be considered over the other one. Um, Dave and I spent a lot of time going through this, and... Um, we came up with, some, with a pretty good list, but the reason we did one running back is, is that the running back two was an absolute wasteland for us, because it's just not a place where we see the value in building your team. Because I'm not saying a wasteland as in like there's nobody talented there or that can help your team. It's just that there's a lot of depth there, and like no one really jumps out to me. There's definitely a lot guys, of risk. Too. A lot of risk too. A lot of risk, a lot of low floor compared to like, you know, like the, it's just to me, like RB elite goes from like up to maybe like top 15, top 14, right? Then after that, it's a whole bunch of mess. So in that mess, I rather just focus on the guys that I really like at wide receiver because I do think that once you get towards, down towards the like past 40, 
for wide receivers, there's a huge talent break, right? So I feel like I would kind of like focus on wide receivers and then take out what's left of that RB2 situation. And Dave was kind of feeling the same way. So, so you know, we had some consensus. What do you know? I know. It's crazy. So, um, yeah. So, like, you know, do one safe, one upside. Um, I think one guy, though, I think we should highlight really quickly. We're not going to talk about too long is, but the one guy that we found that we both really high on is Miles Sanders. I think we both really liked Miles Sanders' ADP because Dave and I both wanted to argue for him. And then we're like, well, if we both really like him, we obviously can't argue about him. So, um, yeah, that was the one guy, Dave, right? We, we both yeah. really like Miles Sanders. Yeah. So, um, so, anyways, so we're going to start off with QBs. And Can I just interrupt real quick, Todd? Go right ahead. The idea of this segment, too, is that it gives us something to banter about for the rest of the season. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's... Um, we put it on the scoreboard, and it's up there. We have a take. There's no, you know, there's no whitewashing. There's not like, oh, we both kind of liked him. Oh, it's, in, you know, no. These are the guys. We will be arguing about these guys at, as the season progresses, and let's go. People wanted more conflict on it, and this is how it starts. Yeah, and the other thing, too, about it is when we get the wide receiver, too, like, that's something we've been arguing about for, like, a month now. So, uh, <laughs> it's great. So, um, first thing is uh, we're going to, so, oh, one other thing. When we thought about this, we thought about it in a dynasty superflex format. All right. I mean, I don't really think it really matters in superflex when you're breaking it down with position, but it's a dynasty format, which is really important pointing out my pick. All right. So, Dave, who was your pick for QB? I went with uh, Cam Newton. He's um, going off the board as QB nine um, in dynasty in dynasty drafts. And my QB is going off at number ten, and that would be. Matt Ryan. So, um, Dave, would you like to uh, open up with your argument, or would you like to try to defend yourself? Well, you know what, I Todd, you're feeling all you know, you're feeling all cocky. You come into my segment, and you start talking a little trash. You know, why don't you open the ball? You're, you, you, are you really the Duke Nukem of this podcast? Let's see it. Bring it. Come on. Ooh, the nerd's getting feisty. I like it. All right, so... Um, um, before we go, I definitely would have beat Duke Nukem before you because I'm just that much better. So anyway, continue. Yeah, because I was already playing fantasy by that point. So anyways, um, so like like I said, he was the, the number 10 QB off the board. His ADP was looking around uh, 108, but that's actually not actually a super flex um, standing. So in our Dynasty League last year, he finishes the QB3. In another week that Dave and I are in, he finishes the QB2. Um, he had a very disappointing 2017. I'm going to chop it up to a fluke. And when I look at a dynasty, I look at a window from three to five years, right? And if you've watched Breeze, you've watched Brady, you're watching Rivers, you're watching Big Ben, quarterbacks are playing at older age and playing well. Matt Ryan is a Hall of Famer. I know last week I said something <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> But Matt Ryan is well on his he's way. Going back to the well. He's going no, back to the he's well. He's well on his way to being a Hall of Famer. All right? Right now, he's already fifth in all-time and completion percentage. He's 12th in passing yards. He's 12th in passing TDs. All right? He hasn't missed a game since 2010. He's missed two games in his whole career. He's 34. He's not ancient. Okay? So... Last year, he was just under 5,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, and only seven picks. He's actually getting better at his age. He's a pocket passer. I like that more. He's not going to show the injury risk. And let's just talk about one other big thing with him. That is the supporting cast, man, is 
nuts. Julio Jones, Ridley, Hooper's probably in for a big year. Freeman's back. Ito Smith made Coleman expendable, and he possibly could be a better receiving back than Coleman. Sanu is probably one of the most underrated wide receivers in football. And then the other thing, too, is they have some really good wide receivers and running backs for depth that people get hurt. So what Matt Ryan has around him, and that offense has already been a top-five passing offense for multiple years, I, I'm i just all in on Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan at 10 is way too low. He's my dynasty quarterback. Um, I'm much higher him than most people because he's 34 years old. Like, I'm a Patriots fan. I know quarterbacks would be good as they get older. Um, and the other thing, too, is, like, as that window's dwindling, I'm going to compete with him for at least three to four years while he's at this level. And your QB um, isn't exactly the model of um, reliably staying on the field, might I say. All right, yeah. Is that all you got? Well, it, would you like would you like oh, me to point out why also? Okay, no, 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 so, no. no. I, so what we're gonna do is I'll do my I'll do pros for mine, and then you can do some negatives, and I'll do some negatives about you. How's that sound? Go right ahead, Dave. All right. So this is Cam Newton's ninth season. He's had in his ninth. So that's going into his ninth season. In the previous eight seasons, he's had five top five finishes. Todd, five. Matt Ryan. Oh, Matt Ryan. You know, we t- has only two. So. And those in the last three, two in the last three years. But Cam Newton. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying current. My bad. What's staying current? <laughs> yeah, my so bad. Cam, two in the last Cam three. Newton, my bad. Yeah. No. Hey, Cam Newton had a top five season um, two years ago. So after the year before last. So that's how last year go. You know, Todd. What the only thing that stops Cam Newton is his injury. Our injuries. He's bad. Oh, his, he gets yeah. hurt. Hey, I let you. I oh. let you talk, Todd. Are you going to keep interrupting me, man? Probably. So, so <laughs> Cam Newton has been elite has been an elite performer when he's been on the field and in that's all i want from my qbs i want a guy who has top five ups i keep you know how i love to say my i want that top five upside well cam newton's upside every time he finishes the season healthy he he finishes in the top five and i want that upside of qb because there's so many good quarterbacks out there i'll take cam newton what also i love about cam newton yeah like we've already talked about his injury risk but what i love about him is he has that that rushing that rushing floor he last year he's it was a lot rushing the ball a little bit less, and he still had um, like 480 rushing yards, something like, like almost 500 rushing yards. This year, you know, I have him projected for around 450 pass attempts, 4,200 yards, and 25 passing touchdowns. That's not a ton to get excited about as a QB. Probably that's like a, probably a QB QB 12 if you were to you were to extrapolate that out for just those stats. But then you throw in, you know, he has a floor of 500 rushing yards. And five, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say he gets five rushing TDs. That puts him in the top, my projection, he finishes the QB4, I believe, like 370 points. You can't beat that. So I love that upside. And I would say Matt Ryan doesn't have upside. I like Matt Ryan too. I just love that stability of that rushing floor, the touchdown, rushing upside, rushing touchdown upside. And Matt Cam Newton's, you know, yeah. Atlanta has some good wide receivers too. Well, Cam Newton has some great weapons in Christian McCaffrey. He's got um, and those two young wideouts, and he's got speed all over the field. He's got some veteran presence in Torrey Smith and Chris Hogan. Oh and my like, God! And, and Greg Olson. Oh I'm telling you, there's a God. lot of veteran presence for those young wide receivers. That's a lot of talent on that offense side of the ball. That Did is you just fast... try to make Torrey Smith relevant? What year no. is this, Todd? I'm just saying the depth. You want to talk about depth? Can you name a depth guy besides Mohamed Sanu on the Falcons? 
Yeah, Justin Hardy. He plays great when somebody goes down. Ugh, Justin Hardy, no thanks. I'll take the speed stretch the field guys in Hogan and Torrey Smith while I have Greg Olson going over the middle and DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey underneath. That's what I'm talking about for Carolina. And, and that's not really the point. The point is that people think that Cam Newton is just a running quarterback, Todd. He is not just a running quarterback. He's developed a lot as a passer. Injuries have held him back. But when he's playing, he's a top five QB. And I love that upside. And that's what makes him QB nine over Matt Ryan at QB 10 for me. Yeah. Well, for me, my big thing is that when you look at Newton, he's, I mean, I'm not saying he misses like big chunks of time, but he misses games, man. He only, like, Matt Ryan's missed two games in his whole career. And what I'm talking about is you can talk about the running upside. The running upside also comes with taking hits and injury risk. And here's the other reason I don't like Cam Newton as a runner, because he runs like a freaking madman. All right? Cam, Cam Newton, like, will plow you, you know? And that's, and like, let's put it this way, first of all. I love Cam Newton as a football fan. As a fantasy player, I'm much higher than Matt Ryan. All right? So, for me, I just don't like the idea of Cam Newton putting his body at risk. And I think that he is improving as a passer, but now we're close to the caliber of a, of a Matt Ryan. But he doesn't right. have to be because he's got, his, he's got his rushing upside. Well, that's the thing. I personally think that even with the rushing upsides, I don't think the passing numbers even come close to matching. And I and like I just said, like you're looking at Matt Ryan finishing as a second QB last year, you know? So, like, why all of a sudden is he, like, like – Almost outside the top 10. That's crazy to me. I actually really like Cam Newton. I do. I'm actually not trying to... I'm not trying to say that I wouldn't want Cam Newton on my team because I would. Just, I think there's a huge gap between him and Matt Ryan. And I am definitely somebody who is in the minority on that one. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that feel... I think this is split right down the middle because their ADP is so close. I right. will just And I will say the same thing. I like Matt Ryan. I like all, a lot of the points you said... I agreed with. He's got great weapons, but my only problem is, Todd, is when you actually go down, you start doing the projections with Matt Ryan. The two, so he had, what do you say? He had 600, um, 608 passing attempts last year. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to go down at least 30 or 40 because that defense has people returning to it. They've got a better offensive line, so they're going to be running the ball more. I do not see Matt Ryan throwing the ball over 600 times this year. And his that, was, was, that was his fifth lowest total. Yeah, but the last, I mean, the previous like, two seasons, he was averaging right around 540. In the year, and when you said it was a fluke, it wasn't necessarily a fluke, man. That's what he was around 540 pass attempts those those two previous seasons. And when he did, and then the, the years before that, when he had over 540 pass attempts and he got over 600, he wasn't as efficient. So I, I'm just saying, I think it's reasonable to predict that he. You know, he had a 70 pass attempt jump. It's very reasonable to predict that it goes down at least. 20 to 30 pass attempts this year okay, because, of so, increased, because of increased rushing ability and in, a better defense. So first of all, those two times, you're looking at him, he had 529 in 2017 and he had 534 in 2016, right? Before yeah. that, you have 614, 628, 651, and 615, okay? Like, it's not like all of a sudden he had this drastic backup to 600. It's actually lower than what he's normally doing. And then before that, you have 566 and 571. Those two years, and even with the 534 that he had in 2016, he put up 38 touchdowns. It was like... That's his high. That's his high. 38, then 35, and then what? Does he even get over 30 besides that? 
He's got 38 and 35 in two out of the last three years, and those are two of his career highs. And, and that TD percentage is going to go down, man. It's fine by me. I'll take I'll take freaking 90 percent, 80 percent of that all day, you know. And it's it's going to be great. And then you know what the other thing too about it is? I honestly think that Cam Newton's ADP is going to be like right now. You're looking at him five to six picks ahead of like Matt Ryan. I would say in like a lot of drafts, I probably could see that being more. I honestly think you could probably wait on Matt Ryan more than you could Cam Newton. So I, I'm just higher on Matt Ryan in that pass attack. And um, I mean, I love the path, the Panthers offense too. I just, you know, and here's the other thing that makes me biased. Matt Ryan helped me win a championship. Yep. See, that's what you go with. We got a reasonable outlook and a, and a biased outlook here. That's all we got here. So, all right. <laughs> You, the proof's in the pudding, man. The proof's in the pudding. Oh, goodness. Good boy. Which pudding are we having today? But uh, anyway. I don't so know. De- Pancake flavor. That's me. <laughs> All right. Blueberries? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, um, all right. Next, Todd, we're going into um, our RB our discussion, our RB1 discussion. Yep. You have, you would rather take Dalvin Cook yep. against my Nick Chubb. You went first last time, so I'll lead off with why I'm heavy on Nick Chubb. Sounds good. Uh, and uh, see, the thing for me is Nick Chubb. It's just more of a fan of that offense for me. It's like I love the opportunity he's going to get in those first eight games without Kareem Hunt. I I love um, what an offense with Baker, OBJ, and Joku, and Land and Landry, <laughs> and then you've got even um, ha- not Haskins. Why Hawk? Not I'm thinking. Want to say Hawk? Andrew Hawkins? That's no. But what, who's that third guy that just um, moved in? Who just overtook uh, Callaway, Todd? Hillard. No, that's the running back. I'm talking about the wide receiver. Oh, the third. Uh, Into an H. I can't remember. Anyway. I can't remember either. So, uh, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I really like that offense. And the the defense has gotten a little better, but I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, an all-stellar shutdown defense. I think they're going to be in some a lot of shootouts. And more trips to the red zone equals more touchdown upside for Nick Chubb. And people, they say, oh, Nick Chubb, yeah, he's just going to, yeah, he'll run the ball a lot, but he doesn't catch the ball a lot. Well, in limited, you know, he did not play a full season this year because he started behind, you know, the Carlos Hyde. He still had 20 catches last year. I think he could have a floor or a ceiling of 40 catches this year with no Duke Johnson and no Carlos Hyde and only Dontrell Hillier behind him and then Kareem Hunt. You know, he comes back week 8, 9, 10. Um, that's if he stays, you know, out of trouble. So, and I just, and then you throw that in with Nick Chubb's, you know, how he is a runner. How he can, um, how he breaks tackles, how he makes the big play, and his athleticism. I'm all about the Nick Chubb here. What, now, what uh, what do you have for Dalvin Cook, Todd? You're talking about athleticism, uh, and and you're gonna argue against Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I think Nick Chubb's a, a lot better athlete than Dalvin Cook. You're gonna tell me that Nick Chubb's a better athlete than Dalvin Cook. Ten times out of ten. I'll, yep. Okay. So for me. Actually, you know what? That's probably true. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah. So, I personally believe that I think Delvin Cook is a better football player. And from what I watched both of them in college, it's for me. It's just like passing the eye test. I love Delvin Cook coming out of Florida State. But the real thing about Delvin Cook is, is that I'm sick of hearing about Matson. Like, I think people are overdoing it with him. Cook has a chance to be a bell cow back. He has a chance to be a top five talent. So there's your upside, Dave. Top five talent right oh, there. Oh, he's got – no, he really – I'm not going to deny Delvin yeah. Cook's upside. He has it's, some serious upside. And it's a high risk, like very high reward kind of thing. And that ACL was two years ago. 
All right. So, and the other thing too is when you want to talk about like Chubb catching out of the backfield, Delvin Cook is ex- actually does catch the ball in the backfield. I don't think Nick Chubb caught ten passes in the season in college. Like you can go look that up, but I'm pretty yeah, sure he had that. some. He had Sony Michelle. Um, yeah. Swift. He had some but, good competition to deal with. But in my college. point is that Georgia doesn't Cook, throw to running backs. Cook, Cook's proven that he'll catch the ball out of the backfield. He had 40 catches last year. All right, and that was only off 49 catches, and we know he didn't play a full season. You know, you know he had two catching touchdowns. You know, like to me, like I mean, catching, receiving touchdowns. You know. There's nobody behind him. I don't want to hear about Matson. I don't want to hear about it. Oh, he's going to like, you know, Cook's going to go down and take his job. No, not going to happen. You know, if Cook goes down, Matson will will become fantasy relevant because he's the next guy up. He's not going to bow into his time. It's just not going to happen. Um, he's a game breaker. And the other thing, too, is he's very strong and very fast. So he's the kind of guy that he has great juke. He'll break a tackle, and then he has another gear to get to the outside. Pass the eye test for me. There's nobody sitting behind him. And then the other reason why I like Delvin Cook more than Nick Chubb than anything is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is too good of a football player to not touch the football. End of story. Kareem Hunt and also Nick Chubb complement each other perfectly. Like, if I'm in a league and I'm looking to make a playoff run, and I'm kind of looking as like, okay, I'm a good team right here. I have something to do here. You could probably get Kareem Hunt pretty cheap before he gets back. You know, and I don't know. There's people who think about those owners who have him. They've had to with with they've held on to him through the thick and thin with that suspension. They didn't know if he was going to even sign with the team. Then they're going to hold on to him through a ten game suspension. They're not just throwing him away for cheap, man. Dude, you got to give him something. In a deep dynasty league, what are you going to do? Throw him away for like I don't know, like. Like I like you're not just gonna throw him away for like Brian Hill or something. It's gonna make more than it's gonna take a 2021st at least. Well, yeah, that's fair. Well, that's what I'm saying though. Like Kareem Hunt, what I'm saying is like that's exactly what I'm saying. There's value in there. I'm saying as you get through, I'm not saying you're just gonna send some sort of like scrub player. It's a player with value. You know what I mean? I'm saying that Kareem Hunt, when he comes back, he could be the kind of guy that like pushes somebody through through the playoffs. You know. I actually see you're going to see more of an even share there with Chubb. I do think Chubb takes the goal line touches, which is huge, right? But to me, Cook has no one behind him, and Cook has top five talent. And if you want to talk about attached to a great offense, I'm not even going to remotely say I'm higher in Minnesota's offense than Cleveland's, which is crazy because Minnesota's offense is nuts. But Ugh. Cleveland has a better offense. Actually, Minnesota's offense is garbage. But at the same time, they, they invested. They got a little bit. It's probably a little better this year. Eh, still like bottom ten. So, um, yeah, I mean, so. I mean, I for the other thing about Chubb is too is like, like the fact that he doesn't really catch the ball, and it looks like Hillard is like the reason why they got rid of Johnson. I feel like he's going to be that. Oh, no, that's not the reason they got rid of Duke Johnson. The reason they got rid of Duke Johnson is because he was demanding a trade for the past year. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, let me take that back. That was poorly said. I think it made it easier to move him. Is what I'm saying because I think he's kind of been showing that he can kind of sit in that passing ball and that passing back rank. And the other thing too with Chubb is too is like when you're a young team and you don't want to like run your star running back into the ground when you don't need to. You know, so like if you got a guy that can come in and do that passing back and be efficient, then he's going to go and do that, you know. So what I'm saying is I also see that being a very pass happy offense. And by the way, the guy's name was Rashard Higgins. Rashard, that was, that's right. Yep. And it was an H. <clears throat> yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, so I'm like, here's what I'm also saying is with Nick Chubb, I'm not saying I don't like Nick Chubb. I actually would be very happy to have Nick Chubb. Now you've been on low on Chubb for a long time, man. Well, I'm coming around. You had him ranked outside your tw- top 20 rookie RBs. 
yeah, in the year he was drafted. <laughs> yeah, Come on. Oh, yeah, I've been a big fan of Nick Chubb. Yeah. <laughs> That's like your top 20. No. <laughs> lines. <laughs> lines. I meant like this offseason. I, I, I like I like where he's at. I like his role in that offense. But actually, I'm this, that's such a good point, Dave, is that I'm still not really sold on him being like 15. Like So like Chubb's right now at 15.5 as an ADP, and Delvin Cook's like 17.67. Like to me... That's a two-full pick difference where I think it should be the other way around and it should be more of a gap. I I just think that Chubb is going to have to fight for the touches, man. It's a very talented team, you know? So, you know, and the, the other the thing... Real, Todd, the real argument is, in my opinion, is that Dalvin... So I think Chubb's a better runner. Okay. Got a better offensive line and the better offense. But the real argument is... Is that Dalvin Cook has that seventy catch, eighty catch, seventy catch upside? That's yep. what it is. And a PPR, that's you do it. That's the real art. That's the real argument, in my opinion. I we're well, splitting hairs right here. My all, whole, honestly, my whole thing about about Cook is is that I do think that the catch is the big part of this. I don't think he's a worse runner than Chubb, but God, the offensive line is better in Cleveland. So I will give you that. So yeah. So so my thing is that all right. So my my problems with Dalvin Cook are is. Let me get back to my thing because I went to go look at something. But, yeah, so he can't stay healthy, man. He hasn't gotten over 133 carries in his two seasons in the NFL. He That's a huge problem, and he's expected to have a large workload. I almost want – if I'm a Dalvin Cook guy, I almost want Madison and Mike Boone to come in for occasional spell to help Cook and make sure that Cook gets pumped more targets. Oh, 100%. You know? I think so, you want that for any back. Well, I mean, it depends – like, I mean – yeah, it depend maybe long term, but for yeah. this, I'm just saying the real. That's my problem with Dalvin Cook. I, I, he has the. I said all these nice things. I like Dalvin Cook a lot, but I also, Mike Zimmer fired his offensive coordinator last year because they didn't run the ball enough. If they're running the ball a lot more, I have a feeling that they're not going to have as many touchdown or like they're that offense is going to slow things down. They're not going to have as many opportunities in the red zone because it's going at slower pace. They want to slow things down for that defense. And yeah, they have a great wide receivers, but if they're not, if they are really going to decrease the amount of passing in this Minnesota offense, whew, I, that really, that really would hurt the amount of volume Cook could get. Oh, well, hurt the volume, but then he could see more t- touches, and then you know he gets injured. So the biggest thing is injury. I, I, you know, it maybe if he starts shows me a season where he can stay healthy. He hasn't done that in several years. And two, Dalvin Cook had some off the field issues in college. Um, that's always. You know, in today's NFL, you got to worry about that. Nick Chubb's been nothing. I mean, you never know. We never know. But from what we can tell is he's been nothing but stellar off the field. So that that is another argument that might tip it one way or the other. All right. Fair enough. All right. Ready to move on to where, wide one? Wide one. Why don't you go first this time, man? All right, man. My boy, OBJ. Love him. So Eldell Beckham, number two wide receiver off the board. ADPs at so he's about the fifth player coming off in Dynasty. So, I truly believe he is the most athletic, talented player in the NFL at wide receiver. Okay, if not number two, Julio Jones. I can't really, I flip-flop between which one's one and which one's two. Um, And then we'll... Real hairs there. Those are some great talents. Exactly. But I'm saying that's one and two in my mind. Okay. Um... Now, when we're the big argument with them is quarterback. It's obvious. You go, you have Mayfield and you have Big Ben. Mayfield, rising. Big Ben, retiring. <laughs> so that's a big difference. Um, 
for me also oh my bad i we haven't even mentioned your guy so i like baker mayfield as an upside because he's a young qb um if he, he's been elite for four years he's been on an awful team and like talking about obj now has been elite for four years yeah okay so i test we're looking at he's been one of the three best receivers in football and he just you could just watch him play the game and just tell that he's a special talent. And now that he's in a high dynamic offense, he's not wasting away with the Giants. He's going to do something special in this team. Um, there's a reason why you can look at like where his history has been the last two years, but yet he's still the number five in ADP. The numbers don't make sense for that to happen, you know. But he's still there because he has that opportunity with Mayfield. All right, so. Dave, why don't you introduce your guy and we'll get a little bit more of a debate. All right, so Juju. So my biggest thing is just I still think Juju has this. I think we pretty much know what OBJ is. I mean, there is yep. the idea that he's that he does have a better quarterback this year, so he might still have some untapped potential. But Juju, man, his first couple of years, he's just been shot out of a cannon. He's been – I love those guys who come in the NFL at a young age. He's only – I think it'll be 23, you know, in, not, in the, towards the beginning of the season. And he's already had two dynamites. You know, he's already had two incredibly impressive seasons. And he's done that next to Antonio Brown. He's had to compete um, with Antonio Brown, getting a ton of targets. And it's just, I I just love me some some juju when it comes to his natural talent. You know, he was dominant in in college, just like OBJ was. But juju was a dominant college producer. He was had good draft capital. And heading into two... And just going to my projections for this year, I could, I think it's reasonable to predict 160 targets, 165, 155 targets for Juju this year. You know, close to 100 receptions, 13, you know, 1,300 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. I just that there's the sky is the limit for Juju at such a young age. He's been relatively healthy compared to OBJ, who's been dealing with some, in, who's dealt with some injuries, um, and. I feel like like when it comes to splitting hairs on a dynasty roster, Todd, and making a decision to take a pick, I'm always about fancy points first. But when it comes close to a guy like, you know, Juju, who's got a couple extra, I know that we try to do two to three year windows. And when it's close to how much we're going to project for stats wise for between those two, three years, then you start getting to, you know, tiebreakers. Juju's got a, a great personality, great team player, OBJ. I actually think oh he gets a little bit of a, he you, gets a hard critic, but the thing is, uh, people think that people think that he get quit on New York last year, Todd. But my whole thing about it is, is like for a guy who's so obsessed with stats, you keep talking about character. You know, like we're splitting hairs here. And, no, and, I I honestly don't. I actually think people are way too high on Juju in certain respects. Here's the thing with Juju, like when you look at his measurables coming out, like he's not a freak athlete. And let's also keep in mind that when you are playing... Measurables the, don't matter for wide receivers as much as they do running backs, in my opinion. But Okay, well, go look up Leo Jones and Odell Beckham and have that conversation with me. Okay. So, my other point is, is like, when you play opposite of Antonio Brown, who is one of the best wide receivers in the history of the game, right, you're not going to be in doubles. How is he going to handle doubles? Are you that confident when Big Ben comes down that Mason's the guy? You know, like life after Big Ben, man. Also, like with wide receiver two is a very shaky situation there. So that they might be able to go and play play more over the top on Juju. You know, I, you know, I love James Conner, but you're also looking at a guy still proving himself. Um, I actually think Juju's like a really good player. I just think that 
people are expecting him to become Julio and Hopkins and OBJ, and I just don't think that's realistic. You know, uh, do I think he's a top ten wide receiver? Absolutely, this year, but I don't think he sniffs the top three. And I think it's because people are undermining the fact of how much more attention he's going to get. And then when you talk from a dynasty standpoint, I know we talk about in those two to three year windows. I'll take a two to three year window with Mayfield over Big Ben all day. And then beyond that, it's not even a contest. You know, like like I would say in three to four years, Mayfield's probably the number one quarterback in fantasy. You know? Yeah, and two, but Big Ben's going to be putting up wide receiver or QB five seasons for the next two years. You know, what? Rosberger's been a stud for the last two years. He's but, throwing the. Hey. I, I, I'm not trying to say that, but also Roethlisberger also tends to spread the ball around to a certain degree. You know what I mean? I mean yeah, to Antonio Brown and Juju, basically. Yeah. Those, well, those I, think, I, think, I think McDonald's going to see a lot of that. I think Washington's going to yeah. probably see some balls. you got Moncrief. I think Deontay Johnson's going to get involved in that offense. All right. i got to say, so you want to say that I'm just going to feel, I will hammer home this point, age-adjusted production with what Juju did, has done. Juju and OBJ have both been incredibly have incredible age adjusted production. I you know, they both broke out as rookies and they have done nothing but produce year in year out in the NFL. Those are two age adjusted studs. Now, I think we're also I think we might be I love I love Baker Mayfield, but saying that he's going to be putting up top 5 QB numbers this year, it might be rushing the gun a little bit. Might be might be I don't think it's a, a, a slam dunk that he's all, all of a sudden a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. I love Baker, but... And then also, too, Juju Juju doesn't have to deal with uh, a target hog in Jarvis Landry. He doesn't have to deal with... Um, who else is included? He doesn't have to deal with Njoku. He doesn't have to deal with all those players. Whereas, yeah, I, I have no problem going up against James, uh, James Washington and Dante Moncrief. I like them, but they're not freaking Jarvis Landry good. They're not... I, I, I'll take David Njoku over Vance McDonald day of the week. So Having another guy with Jarvis Lynch's side of the field keeps people honest. That's the part. He has other talent that has that has to keep them honest. All right? And then also, if you see Chubb becoming that receiver out of the backfield, if you see Kareem Hunt getting those touches out of the backfield, that's another thing that keeps people having to think about like you know shadowing that safety over towards OBJ, man. I'm telling you, like... Baker has everything in front of him to have a top five season. If he doesn't have it this year, he's finishing top eight, and that top five's coming soon enough. You know? Like, hey, you want to trade me Baker Mayfield in Dynasty right now, Dave? No. Hey, Todd, I'm just telling you, I'll take a guy who had Antonio Brown that he was competing with. He didn't he OBJ's never had that type of competition before. OB uh <clears throat> Juju had 111 receptions, almost 1500 or 1400 receiving yards. Uh, he and people, you said that you're worried about him being double covered. Well, in the games where Antonio Brown, he had one bad game when Antonio Brown wasn't there, but then he had a couple other games where he just absolutely lit the world on fire when Antonio wasn't there. That people are, have that recency bias of that one bad game with Antonio. Juju can get well. <clears throat> it's tough to double team a guy on the slot. You can do a lot of things with a guy who's getting a lot of work out of the slot. I'm not worried about Juju. I'll take the I'll take the age, the lack of injuries over OBJ, who's already, you know, how old is OBJ? 26, 27? 26. Yeah, so that's what it is for me in Dynasty. I'll so, just take it. So would you draft Juju over OBJ? Oh, yeah, 100%. I, OB, 
Juju is my number one wide receiver in dynasty right now. See, that's crazy to me. You would take him over Hopkins too, huh? Hopkins already twenty seven. When did people? So, so people loved and people forget Antonio Brown, Todd. People loved them some Antonio Brown, but the thing is, is the soon as Why Antonio they? started, sw- I know, but as soon as he started twi- sniffing 28, 29, people started to sour on him. They're like, oh, he's getting it towards that age apex. He's past the age apex, getting closer to thirty. That drop off. You'll see it. People are, you know, they'll take that year, the next two years of DeAndre Hopkins, no problem. So would I. I'm just saying, value-wise, when you try to go to tr- move on from DeAndre, it's not going to be there. It's going to, just like how Antonio's value has dissipated, because people get that it's that stupid age, they have that age bias. I don't agree with it. I still love DeAndre, but that Juju's value is going to stay high because he is so young. For a lot longer. So okay. Like so one thing that you and me greatly differ on when it comes to constructing a roster is your idea of trade value after the fact. It's like you're going to move these guys off your team, right? Yep. I am in a situation where I look at a guy before even I think about that. Like, yes, maybe that's something I want to think about later on. But before anything, is that guy going to produce for me with right now and at least another season? That's it. And if that guy's going to be somebody who's going to be able to put me over the top, then I'm not really thinking about that trade in three years because that's I'm trying to win, right? So if I would actually feel like, okay, would I want to really touch Antonio Brown in Dynasty right now? Of course I wouldn't, all right? There's a lot of things going on there. And also, like, it's the Raiders, you know? But, I mean, the guy put up 15 touchdowns last year, Dave. So, like, to me, it's kind of like, yes, like, whoa, the drop-off. Like, I don't care what people say, you know? I'll listen to that, and I'll go against the trend, and then I'll take that for for buy low, and then I'll freaking win. It's not – It's. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you don't need to be living this utopia where all these situations fall exactly the way that people perceive them to be. You know, like, if people are low on that because of his age, that gives a perfect buy window. If you want to – a buy window, but I also – so I agree with what you're saying, Todd, but that gives you that buy window. And I'm all about so – if people start devaluing DeAndre Hopkins, I'll start buying him. But the thing is, is if it, I love that Ross of flexibility of having a Juju. Say if I see the next – in my opinion, in, if I see the next Juju where I can get a this the next Juju coming in and then also an RB2 or you know or a, or a nice rookie pick on top of that and I can trade that because I'm starting to – maybe my roster is starting to age out a little bit. I need to start re- refiguring where my assets are invested. I love that roster flexibility of having that trade value. And I I, gets. I will not say you're wrong in that, but I will say that overcomplicates the idea of trying to win in the moment. Oh, I mean, I'm still... That's, first that, that's literally continuing to build without finding success in the now. I mean, I have Antonio Brown on my roster right now, so I, it's not like I don't believe... I just told you that I would buy Antonio... I just told you I would buy DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm only speaking to that last statement is what I was saying. That's it. You know what I mean? And I do understand that... Like, Yes, I did hear that, but I'm saying that overall looking at, like, when you look at OBJ versus Juju, and then you're looking at that trade, like, that's, to me, the difference between them in this two to three years is quite large. Yeah. So, that was a good argument. All right. Yeah, I like it. So, we're starting to get a little short on time here, so I think we're going to shorten it to one more wide receiver and then one more tight end, Todd. Sounds good so to would me. So, you rather, I think, I think you'd rather do the, the, the Williams versus Ridley argument, wouldn't you? Um, I think we should definitely do the Williams versus Ridley argument, Dave. Okay. Can you start us off? Because I have to pull it up here for a second. Sorry. All right. So one thing I've learned about Dave is that he absolutely has no faith in Mike Williams at his ADP. Um, 
So for me, Mike Williams is somebody that I'm very high on. Now, granted, I did trade him, but I was dying for a first-round pick. Um, so right now he's coming off as the 22nd wide receiver off the board. Um, he's going as the – his ADP is about 48.5. Dave's guy is Calvin Ridley, who is the 19th wide receiver off the board, and he's going around – pick 41.5 so there's about a seven pick differential there um for me i see williams role at the end of last year as the trend to show that he's going to expand in that offense all right he had 10 touchdowns on only 60 targets and terrell williams is gone all right i know hunter henry's coming back i get that i'm not looking for him to even get up to like 100 but I'm saying that he is a red zone monster. And I do understand the whole tight end dependency piece. I do. But it's not like he didn't put up yards, you know? I mean, he had more air yards than Calvin Ridley, you know? I mean, that means that they're trying to show throw him the ball, Dave, you know? And, that, and on less targets, all right? He had 964 air yards on 60 targets where Calvin Ridley had 931 in yards on 90 targets. So you're looking at a guy trying to get a bigger chunk of yards, and also he's also getting targeted in the red zone more, all right? He's 6'4", 220. He, he's got a he's, – his breakout age around 19, you know. I mean, he had a 77% in the score speed. So, like, you're looking at a guy who could run under a 4'6", and he's a giant, you know. I – to me – it also, he's just the kind of guy that, like, when you're looking in with him as an opportunity, you already know that he's going to be able to put up touchdowns. So now you're going to add on yards on top of that. I'm I'm a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of his opportunity. I'm a big fan of Phillip Rivers. But here's the other big ones for you, Dave. All right? So red zone target share. Mike Williams ranked 34th. Calvary ranked 72nd. I mean, uh, se- yep, 76th. Air yards. Mike Williams is 28. Calvin Ridley was 42. Can, so can I interrupt real quick, Todd, about this? Go ahead. And this is what I tried to made when I was talking about air yards today. And when you're talking about racer, you can't really compare apples to air yards or air yards. You've got to take, when you're looking at air yards, you got to look at by their depth of target. So sure. you can't compare a player like Julio Jones, who's getting his depth of target is close to 15, which is insane. And you can't compare his... Um, his efficiency or his air yards when you're talking about a Julian Edelman or a, you know, or, or a Wes Welker who has an incredibly low um, A dot. They're two different types of players, so you can't com- – that's like almost apples and oranges. I like to compare people who have the same um, – their air, their, compare people with, who has air yards when they're looking at their similar A dots. It's, it gets really confusing when you start separating it out like that. But that's what I'm also saying, though, is like when you start complicating it and like putting people into different kinds of situations – they still play the same position in a fantasy team. Like, like I understand how saying, like, this guy's playing in this kind of, like, like I don't know what you're even trying to say, like, sample size, right? No, so, no, it's it's just a, they're used differently. Mark, right. Like, and I'm, so I and I'd rather go for the guy that's trying to go down and get big yards and score TDs. I mean, Calvin Ridley, the other thing about Calvin Ridley, too, is, is like, he's he's kind of a, he was a chain mover. And if you want to look at, like, the red zone share, man, I mean... I mean, Williams is getting targeted there like crazy, you know? And they have the same amount of touchdowns off significantly less targets, 
You know? So and the other thing too is like Williams really wasn't used like like beyond six targets, I think twice in the first like twelve games. In the last four, he was over six like three out of four. So like his role expanded and he's a deep ball threat. It I just personally think when you look at that offense, I also think that Rui's also gotta share that situation with other people more than Williams does. So what what are your supports for Ridley? All right, so my thing about Calvin Ridley is is what is just it's a so I was actually really low on Ridley coming out of college. Yes, was, you were. The, I was incredibly low on him. I was like, you know, he's an older prospect. He didn't produce, you know, he didn't have crazy um, numbers coming out of Alabama. But then I went back and I looked at it, and if you just look at his age adjusted production, it's not terrible at college. And then you have that first round draft capital. Not that Mike Williams also has first round. I'm not. We're not. I'm not saying that. I just when you start adding these things together. And I was like, oh, Ridley has terrible athleticism. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, well, athleticism doesn't matter that much. Uh, and I'm more about, it comes down to that production. And then when, as a rookie, when you come in and you become a top 24 wide receiver, that puts you in a cohort of similar players who've done the same things as rookies and then who have certain draft capital. I'm talking, you're talking about Randy Mosses. You're talking about Julio Jones. You're talking in the past when people break out at that young of an age in the NFL, even if it is t- like Ridley had too many touchdowns last year, I'll, I'll give you that. He his t- TD rate is going to regress. Or yes, it is. is going to reverse or revert back to the mean a little bit. Um, <clears throat> that being said, that was only in year one. He didn't even start playing full time until what week five probably. He didn't see that consistent snap sh- those consistent snaps to week five. And then when wide receivers they see the biggest jump from year one to year two. The, the I just the sky is the limit for me with when it comes to. Calvin Ridley in that one to two that 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 jump, you've got that offense. So I was just sat and I argued against Matt Ryan, but I'm going to use all of the arguments you made for Matt Ryan in that offense. I'm going to use it for Calvin Ridley. I love me some. They're going to play 80% of their games in a dome. They're going to be playing. That defense has gotten better, but it's not it's not uh, it's not a shutdown defense. It's going they're in they're in that NFC South where there's a ton of offensive um, shootouts. They're going to be throwing. They're like he has a lot of upside, whereas. You know, I, so I, I look at it as, and you say, oh, Matt, he only had, you say Mike Williams only had 66 targets last year or something like that, right, Todd? 60. 60. You want to talk about regression. How are you going to sustain that TD rate for Mike Williams when he scored, what did you say, 11 touchdowns across 10. 60? 10? 10. That's, that you cannot, that it cannot be replicated. I just do not like a player who is so dependent on touchdowns as Mike Williams is when I have Keenan Allen in that, and then you can say, well, Julio, I mean, Ridley has Julio. Yep, but um, I think a lot of his production for Ridley is going to be PPR and yards compared to not relying his touchdowns. So I'll take Calvin Ridley and just his unknown upside, whereas I feel like Mike Williams' upside is, you know, it's you know a TD-dependent boom-bust guy. And in Dynasty, I don't necessarily want the TD. I want the guy who I, who's getting a lot of opportunity, getting fed the ball, not these... Just you know, boom bust type players, and that's what I think. I think Mike Williams is a better basketball player. I'll say well, that. Well, duh. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, no, not adverse Ridley, but just in general, he's a better best. I would, yeah. I would start the argument for Mike Williams in best ball makes a lot more sense than a. I have to choose when to play Mike Williams. That that gets tough to when you predict those touchdowns that start happening from week to week. I think that your bias against trying to rely on touchdowns is a little too drastic for me. And whatever, all you guys with your oh, it's tough to predict and all that. Well, I mean. They throw the ball downfield to him, and they look for him in the red zone. It's pretty obvious. 
All right. He, he, I mean, if you want to look at fantasy production for fantasy points, they put up almost the same amount of fantasy points, and he had, like, 20 less catches, you know? But the yards were pretty darn close as well off that, you know? I mean, 820 to 664. I mean, you have, like, somebody averaging 15.4, and then you have somebody averaging 12.8. I don't care about you saying that's not consistent or whatever. I don't want really to buy that, to be honest, all right? I, that's what the numbers say. You're just saying you're just throw, that's what the numbers that's just saying I don't believe in the numbers. That's what you're saying. That's fine. Well, my whole thing about it is is I'm saying that he likes to get the ball going downfield and that's what I was also trying to say when I was talking about like with the air yards is that fact that they're trying to throw him the ball deep and when he catches the ball he's going to get a big chunk of yards that's going to be able to produce points and then the other thing too is, too, is he's going to be hurrying in the red zone. Yards and touchdowns. That's how you score points, you know? And I understand with PPR. For me, when it comes to Ridley in a PPR league, Sanu, Hopper, Smith, Freeman, Jones, they're all going to catch balls. It's crowded. Williams has to deal with Allen, Eckler, and Henry, as far as I'm concerned. All right? I mean, there's also Gordon coming back. They're, that's a I, They I run the ball a lot more. No, but I'm saying I'm talking about just targets on that one. Okay. All right? And, like, Mike Gordon coming back. I mean, Mike Gordon. <laughs> yeah, great basis. Uh, Melvin Gordon coming back and uh, running the football only helps them. You know? It just it just keeps people honest. Melvin Gordon's a very good running back. All right? It's just going to give Mike Williams more of a lane to be able to get downfield. All right? All right. Here's a question for you, Todd. Yep. I'll use your argument. You made the argument that um, you'd rather have. Oh, we're on the clock in uh, the in the best ball league. But anyway, um, you made the argument that I'm taking Mike Williams right now. You're when you were talking about Baker versus by Baker versus um, Baker versus Roethlisberger. You said that you you were worried for when Juju doesn't have Ben Roethlisberger as the QB. Well, Philip Rivers is what 40 years old, 39, 41. I think he's he? 37, 37, 38. Yeah, yeah. So. There's not, I mean, he's not playing, I mean, you could, I could see him playing for four more years, but why, there's also Big Ben saying he's going to play for four more years. Who knows, Todd? Who knows? But the thing is, is I'd rather take the guy who's got Matt Ryan, who's got at least six more, he's only 34, in that offense, and, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll take the, the unknown upside for Ridley going to year two versus the TD dependency of Mike Williams. And so, Todd, just to, as a, you say you don't believe in the numbers, and, and I just look. No, at no, no, no. That's not touchdown. my point. I'm saying like with the advanced metrics, except for like saying yards per catch don't matter. I think that's crap. You know, like that's literally what I've been doing for years, and I win, dude. I mean, well, my whole thing know, is that like you can literally look at that number and say, "Wow, they like to throw him the ball deep. Wow, he likes to get in the end zone." It's not that hard. And then you look at the fact that this player left. This is a team that ranks top 10 in passing every year, and he's the wide two, and he's in his third year to break out, and now they have a tight end that's also going to be able to take away a lot of pressure. Yeah, it all adds up into a guy breaking out. It's not that difficult. All right, so all right, so what's not difficult to explain either is when you take 11 total touchdowns from Mike Williams on a guy who saw 66, who caught the 43 receptions. Yep. It is not rational to have... What what is that? Is that close to a touchdown every four 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 receptions? You know, that's yeah. It's like twenty five percent of your catches you're getting a. It's a touchdown every ten a, targets. Yeah, at ten targets. That so when you take that Todd and you look at the history of the NFL, mm-hmm. 
or the you know the last you know since 2008 or something like that since they started tracking certain like targets or something like that when people get that many targets or that many receptions they mike williams scored 5.8 more touchdowns than he should have or like what the historical averages have now maybe mike mike williams is just better which is fine so but He's not 5.8 touchdowns of the historical norms of the... So that's like thinking, well, he's that good. He's going to be scoring 20 touchdowns next year. Like, he is not 5.8 touchdowns better than historical NFL wide receivers for that many receptions. You so, can't tell me that a guy who scored 10 touchdowns is going to get more targets is bound to have regression. That's I'm telling you, that's what the numbers are telling you, man. I'd say that it is more likely than not that... I'm not saying that he still can't score more touchdowns than he should next year, but he's definitely not scoring on 25% of his receptions. He's not scoring a touchdown. It's I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying that's efficient and that clearly showing that they're targeting him in the red zone. That's it. Whereas touchdowns are, are – are, I mean, yes, t- people get more targets, do score more touchdowns, but touchdowns from year to year are extremely random as far as stats are concerned. I think we reached, we reached a good spot here. Todd, we have a choice to do tight ends here. Or we can make our pick on the air because I think we're close to our, having to wrap it up. What would you prefer to do? Make our pick on air or um, talk about tight ends? Well, tight ends, you had OJ. I had Henry. They're both good picks. I'd rather say wait on tight ends. Let's make our pick. All right. So what before us just went – I got to pull it up. But Alshon Jeffrey went right before us. So that gives us – who was our top remaining players, Todd? Well, we actually won't – well, I guess they're not going to make it around back around to us. But um, I'm trying to pull it up. What do we got here? So, so we were looking at. Well, don't say everyone. Just give us like the top two players or something like that because Calvin Ridley's available, Dave. Calvin Ridley is available. Um, I believe we were going between Moore and Tyler Boyd. Oh, I think this is a slam dunk for us then, right? Yeah, I think we want DJ Moore. Yeah, DJ Moore. Why? And give me a two-minute spiel, Todd, on why you would like DJ Moore in a best ball here. Oh, it's going against my arguments. Um, that Carolina offense is actually it's it's improving greatly. When you got McCaffrey in there, McCaffrey's going to be able to open up more lanes for more to get downfield. He's got Samuel on the other side to be able to keep that other side honest as well. DJ Moore is looking for a big jump this year. I see him being the wide receiver one for that team. I honestly think that when he seems like the kind of guy when you have all those pieces together with Cam Newton. He's going to have some huge weeks. You know, I don't know mm-hmm. if I really see DJ Moore necessarily being consistent because I also think you're going to see McCaffrey have a big week and Samuel have a big week. But I think DJ Moore is going to have some monstrous weeks. And in best ball, your best guys play. I'm all about DJ Moore. Yep. Me too. I think it's DJ Moore is one of the best age adjusted, age adjusted prospects. In the last five years, I mean, I think he's JJ Zacharyson jokes around that he broke his his rookie or his uh, his rookie model last year coming out of um, Maryland. Uh, and I will say, I not I don't necessarily rely too much on the athleticism, but if you take a look at playerprofiler.com and you take a look at DJ Moore's athleticism, it jumps off the page. Broke at an eighteen. You know, we haven't thrown a breakout age in a while, Todd. He broke out at eighteen years old at Maryland. He. Um, he kind of, when he gets the ball, he runs like a running back. And with the space that Curtis Samuel, Greg Olson, and other wide receivers, and Kurt, you know, and how I've noticed, you know, how how creative Carolina's offense is getting. Yep. And I really love the upside of DJ Moore. 
And it just going that something about that second year going into that second year wide receiver. I, I feel I love that untapped potential. Lock it in, DJ Moore. Let's do it, dude. Love the pick. I love today's episode because we got yeah, mad. we got a little bit feistier today. That, that, that's feistier. what I'm talking about. I'm I I'm repeatedly going to just be all over you when Mike Williams has a phenomenal year. Oh. And when Calvin Ridley is going um, in the top two rounds of a dynasty start next year, I got no problem talking about this argument again. Bring it. Bring it, baby. All right, man. All right. Well, hey, follow us on Twitter. We're at Tale2Rivals. I am Todd Foster. I am at FF underscore Banterman. And I am a Dave Wright. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at FF underscore Spaceman. And, you know, be, you know, come check us out over at the uh, Fancy Shack Autism Awareness Bowl. And, uh, you know, think about making a donation too. You know, it goes to a good cause. So, absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. I had a lot of fun this week. I did too. And one more thing tight ends aren't worth it, people. They're not worth it. <laughs>